Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am so excited to be joined today by Christopher Gavigan. He is based in LA. However, the story of meeting Christopher actually happened actually happened at the Vancouver airport en route to a very special little place in northern British Columbia where we had the opportunity to spend a week together with some other incredible souls at Nemo Bay. And the reason I share that is because I had the opportunity to meet Christopher first and foremost as simply a human without title, without career, without mention of anything else. You just get to see and witness people living day to day today and I was I was in awe and he was a true pleasure and delight to meet Ben and that was two years ago. Christopher, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, there are people that you connect with in this world that you immediately find that you have a, a universal relationship and emotional connection with and you are one of those people and I don't say that very often so I'm so happy to be here talking to you and so happy you're in my life. Oh, I'm so honored because I've wanted to have you on this show and have a conversation about these things. And so often people want to talk about work. And while your work has been incredibly purpose-driven and purposeful, I'm excited today to talk to you about so much more than only work. And so if we can just uh. transport ourselves back to, to Nemo Bay and those <laughs> moments, I think it'll make for a really juicy conversation. Okay, I'm ready. So where do we begin? I mean... If we can start in the world of work, I would declare that you might be one of my favorite feminists. I have a ton of respect and really adoration for the fact that you have chosen to create organizations with female partners. I think that says so much. And we can't go without mentioning that if you go and check out Christopher Gavigan on LinkedIn, you'll learn that you had a stint 20 years ago at a Patagonia store. And that, so that is true. <laughs> I can't help but wonder how Patagonia and your raging feminist values have brought you to where you are today. Oh, oh my God. What a great question. Patagonia, I'll start there in the world of the work and then I'll go to the world of the human and, and humanity. The Patagonia started me off on my career in the sense that Yvonne and that team was so talking about a cracked open culture the willingness to explore and be emotive and real and truthful and to fight and, and really rip yourself open every single day for what was right and good and, and to um, alert and alarm and uplift your truth. They did that and they just fired me up and they just gave me the permission slip and the opportunity to say, do it wherever you can. And that, the beauty of Patagonia is that they realize they will not have you as an employee for the rest of your career, but you will go on. So they're wanting to inspire you to really be a change maker. And I just think the world of them and that mentorship that I got there. And that collided with this idea that I, so outside of having the most stunningly strong and capable wife, um, I also have three stunning young women in my life, my daughters. I have four kids, but my, I have a son and four daughters. And their influence on me and my excitement to want to create a world that's 
sees them and holds space for them and allows for them to be all that they can and be. Outside of my work that I do for the environment and for health, that third leg of that stool and probably the most important is how do I uplift the female and the feminine in today's world? And all the brands that I create are specific for certain populations and being in service of certain populations, but they're all feminine leaning brands. Yeah, they sure are. I love hearing, of course, about the women in your life and we will riff on that. But the piece that I love about Patagonia is that when we met, you had just taken your son on a fishing trip. Do you remember uh-huh. that? <laughs> yeah, we, we went to British Columbia as well. We went up to uh, just north of uh, BC on a small island and we went fishing and he and my wife, we, we, as a, he was a 10 year old and we were like, let's go catch some uh, salmon and let's go see, check out this area of the world. And it was such a phenomenal experience. Well, I want to know, have you had this relationship with Mother Earth for a long time? Where did your desire to give a shit come from? Yeah, it started early. I grew up in the East Coast, New York and Connecticut. And in this little woodland area on the shoreline of Connecticut, we had this stream and it was called the Manunzatuzik River. And that was, it was named after the native, the First Nations that lived there. And it was a small woodland East Coast brook, but they used to stock it for fishing. And so my father, being the, the good Irish Catholic human that he was, but it was also very pride, orientation was very pride and egocentric he wanted to have a beautiful home and if you had a beautiful home that means you had green grass and the green grass was necessary to keep green with some synthetic and industrialized pesticides and fertilizers and so he used to and there was one specific spring he sprayed literally a a truck came down the driveway and it had the words chem lawn on the side of it and they sprayed this this green fertilizer on the grass and within a day and a half all the fish in that small woodland stream were dead and it was shocking as an eight-year-old boy to see that and i was appalled and offended and and mad at my father oh my god i was so mad and he was just trying to find the words and find the rationale and try to contextualize it all for me But there was a commitment that I had for all things natural. And sometimes you just, it's in in you and and you feel the fight and and the draw and it's always been there. And so I take my kids into the wild places. We do a ton of camping and backpacking and all things romping in the, in the outdoors. And like one of their favorite things that I say to them is when I walk in the house, I'm like, let's get outside. So it's being outside and being in tune and in touch is something that I'm, very drawn to as a father and a human. It's so special. And something that I got really quickly from our time together at Nemo Bay was how the, the red string of integrity was so real in every aspect of your life. And so mm. I remember you sharing the story of taking your son fishing and the joy that you, that, you know, that experience had for you. Yeah. And yet, you know, take fishing and your desire for Mother Earth to the same extreme. It's no surprise that you were the co-founder of The Honest Company, which is turning nine next year. And, Mm -hmm. well, you know, no longer are you involved in the day-to-day. There was a period of time where obviously you you had a young family and there was a, a desire to keep that red string of integrity for for skincare for the the young generation in better keeping than your father's chemical lawn. Tell me the impetus behind the starting of The Honest Company. 
it was um, it was interesting because I studied environmental sciences at, in Santa Barbara, and the particular branch of environmental health that I was always excited about was how the, does the natural world and how do humans elegantly intersect and unite as well as collide. And the world of health and human health is particularly, and we know, in, incredibly influenced by what we put in on and around our bodies and in our lives. And so our own home and personal environment is very much based on choice and very much based on certain positive and negative triggers, both in that can be seen and unseen, right? We protect our children with helmets and gates at the top of the stairs. Those are physical dangers, but there's also chemical dangers, and many of them are man-made. And the fact that we have babies being born today out of the wombs of moms that are born pre-polluted, they have over 200 plus synthetic industrialized man-made and human-made chemicals coursing through their veins at the time of birth. And that's appalling. Mm. And so when you look at the data and you look at um, the research and you understand that human illness and disease is rising to epidemic proportions, certainly at higher proportions in the young generation, my idea and concept and what I really wanted to fight wars for was how do we prevent this? How do we take protective, preventative action around living a pure, safer life. And that is certainly for the earth and for the fish and for the things that we we care so deeply about, but ultimately for ourselves and for each other. And so it's really a design challenge at the end of the day. You can design a more thoughtful, a a more holistic, a more non-toxic product that either sits on store shelves or that you make in your home. And food and product and practice matter. And I just really thought that honest, there needed to be a standard. There needed to be one place to go. There needed to be a sense of ability around trust and credibility and safety. And certainly everyone needs things to work. And so that's this idea of how do you get innovations around science and formulation whilst keeping things safe and healthy and natural. And so that was the design challenge that Honest continues to unpack and serve for its people. And and also as a leadership voice in the industry, you've got to stick your head out and make a ruckus in order to get change to happen, both at the legislative level and the regulatory level, but also within the levels of industry and competitive space. And I felt like if Honest could take a leadership vision and, and pass on transforming the marketplace, a good thing was that it was going to be copied and it was going to be certainly critiqued and it was certainly going to get a level of commitment from a passionate few. And it's been such a great, great opportunity to build something of of that level of credibility and integrity. It's so incredible because to, to think in the last couple of years, you've actually now gone on with it sounds like very similar intention, perhaps mm-hmm. a different, different market, yeah. but to create a brand that supports, you know, perhaps it's not the chemicals that we're introduced to immediately coming out of the womb, but it's called the chemical of stress and the idea of ridiculously busy lives that in fact, you know, is now being proven we can't handle. And, you know, to the point that it's killing us. And and you and two co-founders have launched Prima and... Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it, stress is a social toxicant and it is wreaking havoc on our bodies and our brains and our relationships. And 
this idea that we we live in a, a modern day culture and world where we can't uh, modulate against certain types of stressors and it's really impacting both our mood, our sleep, our again, our relationship, our ability, ability to modulate pain, our ability to effectively fight off disease. It's a modern day epidemic that everyone is impacted by. Yeah. Can you tell us about Prima? Where, how, how was Prima born? Yeah. So I, it goes back, everything that I do needs to really be grounded in the science of it all. And I sit on the board of Mount Sinai. Very, I'm so honored to be connected with their great institution of research and teaching and, and academic and phenomenal functional medicine. And, and it was in 2009, I was just a nominated to the board. And the first board meeting, we started talking about cannabinoid research. I was like, cannabinoids and cannabis? Are you kidding me? This organization is really like going to talk about an illicit, illicit drug? And the, the two branches of cannabis, one is marijuana and THC and can be, have intoxication impacts on the body. But the other side, the hemp side, and cannabinoids are these molecules in there that are known to really impact this body system. And I was like, wait, in, yeah, in 2009, we have a body system called the endocannabinoid system. That's a native body system that's much like your immune and circulatory systems and central nervous system. Like this is a system that doctors don't talk about. My practicing doctor and GP wasn't talking about. And why can't I Google it? Like what is going on here? And so I wanted to just dive deep. And over the last really 10 years, I've been trying to understand what this body system does, how does it modulate the brain and central nervous system and immune function, and what do these molecules, these cannabinoids do to boost overall health and mood and well-being, and how, how do you then, if that's really the case and that the science is there and, and being validated day after day, how do you democratize this? How do you bring this to everyone? Because it is a universal wellness tool that we don't know about that has incredible stigma and mythology and, and misinformation. And, and how do you do it in a, with a, again, with a level of integrity and trust that you're really transforming people's health because this is, yes, it's a purity play, but this is about getting people to thrive and prosper and manage their own health and, and peace of mind. So that's really the kernel of, of truth that I was trying to unpack and um, elevate. Wow. So, I mean, meet this with the hustle of starting something, starting something that matters for people who hustle too often, perhaps. And, yeah, yeah. And no slow, busy life of your own. You have four children. You have a busy, incredible wife. I want to know, it's my last question on the world of work, and then we're going to transition into you. But highlight what's been the best part of launching this new brand the best part of launching this new brand has been the puzzle we have challenges in our day-to-day -day life but the ability to figure out and and take a, a stance in a in a big and meaningful way and the challenging way to get people to shift their behavior through tone and manner of a brand of your communication style of how you build a better, safer product? And how do you also lead an industry that is, sadly, over the last 80 to 100 years, been in the shadow economy? And so sometimes you've got um, shadow economy humans and intentions, and how do you bring a better way? 
And I think that's really what I've been focusing on. And I think that that has been, that challenge has been really, really, really exciting for me because it's, there's, there's mysteries and magic in business, but there's also very, very um, intentional strategies and, and tactics you've got to take. And it's the art and science of it all that really excites me most. Beautiful. Well, speaking of the art and science, I think there's no secret that it's an art and a science to be a partner, a father, an entrepreneur and all of the things. And uh, when we were together, you, I think, were intermittent fasting until noon every day, despite these gorgeous vegan meals that were presented. In the morning. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and will you allow us? Can we go there? Can you tell me the art yeah. and science of, of managing your life? How the heck do you do it? I'm just like everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm holding it together through some choice, through some commitment, through some curiosity. And uh, you know, every, every day is, is, is an opportunity to get a little bit better. That, that incrementality of, and that positivity of just trying to get through the day. I mean, you, 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 if anyone, have done that so elegantly and beautifully in your own life, in your own career, in your own exploration of who you are and, and the unpacking of you is, is every single day you've got to put one foot in front of the other but you if you can do it with the integrity and the belief i think that you've got such an opportunity to really be a, a giver in this world and for me i i love to challenge myself physically um i, I realize that i need goals so that it helps me both focus on my physical fitness as well as keeping my body in check. I mean, I, I want to be a, I'm a 45 year old human, but with four kids, but I want to be a father that is literally running a marathon with my 28 year old and 30 year old. And I, those, I have all these stated and unstated goals that I, I want to be so physically fit. And it's not about lifespan. It's more about health span. It's the depth and the breadth of those years that I have. So I push myself hard, as you know, uh, my plant-based lifestyle, I now that 12 o'clock window that I used to allow myself now it goes all the way till 5:30. So I only do one meal a day, and I have found that that allows me to have uh, an extension of clarity and energy that really, really, really is important for me, especially wait, wait, in all things. Wait, pause. Oh, pause. Yeah. So, so yeah. we will not dare compare any version of my life to yours. <laughs> <laughs> this is phenomenal. This is what I want to get into. I super hate the world of hacks. I think hacks are overrated and overstated, but I think figuring yeah, out what works for you and how to stay yeah. committed and make those choices is incredible. And so now you fast all day. I fast all day. You fast all day. Do you drink liquids? Do you drink water? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I drink over 120 ounces of water a day. Okay. But I would say that the, the fasting, it's less of a, we're always in a state of fasting. It's about when I choose to eat. I choose to eat after five and, and no, no later than 8.30. Most often it's between the hours of five and seven. That's okay. like my, that's my feeding or eating window. Okay. And again, it, it works for me. I've, I've, kinda, I've done all the, the blood panels and the investigatory work on what is it are my are my levels right and are my hormone levels right and all of these things and so I feel the most clear and powerful in this program and it's it, and I have to say it, it works for me I, I would never purport to have these things work for others but this this, this world of 
feeding windows and how people feed their bodies is, is being pulled apart across yeah. many, many spectrums of, of nutrition. So I want to bust the, like, the lifestyle of it. You have uh-huh. a wife who lives a busy life. I'm sure she would like to, I mean, like the idea of family <laughs> brunch <laughs> or <laughs> eating with your children or uh-huh. you know, there's business meals galore. How do you navigate the, dare I say, like the external social pressure, be it really close to home or on the periphery that allows you to right. hold so true to the decisions you've made? It's a great question. I would say for my family, that is the one um, that on the, if there's like a week, I'll, I'll choose myself, I'll allow myself on the weekend to, if there is like a, a lunchtime meal, I'll most often choose to join that with my kids. But like, for instance, last night, I went to a seven o'clock meal with some colleagues and it was hard. I was sitting there. I was like, okay, guys, I'm vegan. They're like, oh, really? And so the, everything, then they decided they wanted to go eat vegan. And you could see that they were uncomfortable in that. And then they they wanted to order drinks. And I was like, okay, I'll just have sparkling water. They're like, wait, you're not drinking either? And so I, I have found myself doing my best to modulate against, um, and I, I don't want to presume people will follow and or need to join me and people immediately feel like they have to mimic or meet me at where I'm at. I'm like, you do you and I'm going to do me and we should be good with that. Right. And I think that is, I think that it was interesting last night because I was trying to help them get back to who they were yeah. as opposed to, and I don't need to do that either. Right. I, I, I want to make them feel comfortable for sure. But I definitely, I've got a system and it works for me. And, and that's how I usually explain it. And it is generally um, accepted. <laughs> um, but some people have a hard time with it. Yeah, I think it's so beautiful. And it's so brilliantly stated that you do you, I'm going to do me. And if you're interested in learning about a different way, then we yeah. can talk about it because this is, you yeah. know, this is exploration at its finest. We are super passionate about working with healthy leaders and the conversation of what it means to be radically responsible for your own health and yeah. that is, is happiness and your state of mind right through to how you yeah. spend. And so that's why I ask yeah. about this because I think it's so fascinating to learn you want to know how to manage this in a state of clarity and productivity and, and joy. This is what works for you. And I can't help but yeah. ask because you're just so darn hardcore. How do you sweat? What's your form of, of daily movement? So this, this morning I was doing, I did 15 sprints up and down my road. Um, and that was between the hours of 5.30 and 6.30. And then I go through this whole like stretching meditation routine that I do every single morning. I do yoga. I am in uh, training for a triathlon. I am trying to get uh, back into more of a commitment around my, around my running. I missed this summer, but in previous three summers, I've done the uh, Masters Tournament of for Ultimate Frisbee with my team, the Santa Barbara Condors, or now we're the Beyondors or Eldors, whatever we want to call ourselves. We're these old guys. Um, running out there and but I, I try to get at least three to four sweats on like deep deep sweats on a week amazing and usually at five thirty in the morning yeah it's super <laughs> early like it's my, probably my least favorite time to sweat but it's my only time that I really have to right incredible incredible and is your whole family plant-based 
Um, my wife is not plant-based and my kids, I would say almost are 95% plant-based every once in a while. They're like, Oh my God, I, I need a turkey burger or I want some eggs, but they're almost, uh, predominantly plant-based. Yeah. Incredible. Well, if nothing else, this is called a living example of what's possible and that <laughs> healthy families and healthy humans can exist in ways that might not seem, dare I say, normal to everyone and yet perfectly just you're, you're thriving and vibrating and it's yeah. so vivacious. I love it. I've taken up too much of your time because that's what happens. I just have to know where feminist meets Patagonia meets the future of hemp and everything. Yeah. Um, the, future, the future of well-being, right? I, oh. I think this, I think this whole idea of wellness is, is exhausted and exhausting. Yeah. It's really about being well with each other and with yourself and, the idea that I, I you know what excites me is especially in today's day and age, and we touched on this right before the podcast, is this continual discovery and exploration and the unpacking of your own self-awareness. How well do you know yourself? I think that is the the most valuable asset that we bring to any situation, any relationship, any professional work environment. Do you know yourself? Do you know your strengths and weaknesses? Do you know how to grow? Do you know where you need to grow? Do you know what you want to work on? And and continually figuring that out. I think that discovery is so interesting. Mm. And uh, like for me as a father, demonstrating that for sure, but really encouraging my children and moving conversations around that so that they feel able to and willing to discover that for themselves is such a gift mm. and i know you, that is what you stand for is how do we unpack it and how do we look at it and how do we continually try to seek as you said how do you do it there's no doing there's only just getting through it and trying more and more every single day yeah more being less doing <laughs> yeah there you go absolutely well our favorite question that we wrap the podcast with is what is currently uh -huh. your heartbeat faster Great question. Um, outside of my children and my family, because they fired me up, I would say I, I'm in this phase of radical acceptance. Mm. And it's making myself really looking at myself and looking all, at all the nuance and, and some, all the positives, but all, some of the darkness and some of the, the challenges and accepting it and accepting the moments and accepting the timelines and accepting the, the stuff and the, the areas that are clogged up and, and then just trying to figure it out, you know, and accepting other people, right? I can't, uh, you can't make things and force things and force people and force situations all the time. Sometimes you've just got to sit back and allow it to be. And that it for someone who is so hyper vigilant in everything I do, yeah. I would say it's one of my greatest challenges, um, yet my greatest opportunities. And so I'm, it, Maybe it's an age thing or maybe it's a life cycle or lifestyle thing, but I'm really in this world of exploring radical acceptance. Mm. It's so beautiful. We're recording this on the night of a full moon and mm. may the full moon bring all of us more radical acceptance because after all, this is all we've got. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much. That was so fun. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.